Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Irish NFL show. It's like the third week in June. We're almost at training camp. A great show today. We've got Aqib Talib coming up. But first off, to kick off the show, we're delighted to welcome a NFL insider and co-host of Broncos Country tonight, Benjamin Albright. Ben, welcome to the Irish NFL show. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm glad uh, I'm glad I'm the warm-up act here. If Aqib was like uh, the warm-up act and I was like the follow-up, that would be that would be a, a disparity of talent there. So I need <laughs> That's a good plus. I can get out of here before he has a chance to snatch my chain. So, <laughs> well, I didn't ask him. Just for anybody wondering, I didn't ask him about that. I wish I did now, but it's all good. Uh, have you any connection to Ireland, Ben? Have you ever been to Ireland before? Um, any I, Irish heritage? Uh, no Irish heritage. I'm like full German, but uh, I have been to uh, I've been to Ireland before. Uh, matter of fact, you guys were real hospitable when I came back from Iraq the first time. We stopped in Shannon, Ireland, uh, at the airport there. They were closing the bars down as we uh, we debarked the plane, and uh, you guys were great. I can't do an Irish accent, but I'm a murder one here. And uh, we're walking off the plane, and they closed the bars and throwing all the drunks out and everything. And he's like, "Oh, the Yanks are coming! Open her back up!" You know, and I'm sure that was like Scottish or whatever. That was a terrible accent, but uh, it was it was great. We had a great time, and uh, my first beer after uh, being deployed to Iraq was with the uh, was with the Irish. So you guys will always have a soft spot in my heart. Well, hopefully you can come back again and uh, check out uh, Dublin and Cork and Galway at some point, Ben. But um, as Michael said in the, the intro, like you're obviously, you know, best known as, as being a very successful Broncos broadcaster, host, insider. But before we get to the Broncos, and, and we will, just interested in your take on like the Broncos AFC West rivals this offseason. Interesting offseason, obviously, I think for different reasons for the Chiefs, the Chargers and the Raiders. What, what are your thoughts on the division? Well, it's uh, it's one of the toughest divisions in football. Anyway, you slice it. Uh, obviously, anytime you got a Kansas City to Pat Mahomes, that's going to be that's going to be tough anyway. Um, but Kansas City, uh, you know, kind of doing some retooling there. They blew up the offensive line, uh, brought in a whole new offensive line. Andy Reid has always had a soft spot for the offensive line, so it's going to be interesting to see how quickly those guys gel together. But uh, you know, I, I, they're they're still the, the cream of the division, as it were. Um, the, the Chargers interest me in the sense that they hired Brandon Staley as their head coach. And Staley, of course, is a Vic Fangio acolyte. Um, they both run a very similar defense. It's uh, it's really the one of a kind in the NFL, one that everybody's like trying to emulate now. Um, it showcases a lighter box and kind of shows a, a pass defense kind of forcing you to run uh, to lower your expected points average per play, uh, expected points allowed per play. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very analytical defense. It's interesting to, to see that, uh, that they hired him for that. And the weird thing about the Chargers was hiring uh, uh, Lombardi as the uh, the OC. Um, Lombardi notoriously was terrible as an OC in uh, Detroit, um, and he's going to try to bring basically the Saints offense, which is kind of doesn't really play to Justin Herbert's strengths. I thought Anthony Lynn did a great job last year um, uh, using utilizing max protect and play action shot plays uh, to kind of play to Justin Herbert's strengths. They're going to go almost completely opposite with that offense this year. It's going to be interesting to see how Herbert adjusts to that, and you know, and how quickly he gets up to speed. Uh, uh, and then you get the Raiders. Um, what can I say about the Raiders that has not already been said about Afghanistan? They look bombed out and depleted. Um, I, you know, I, I they, they just they have no defense. Um, it, it's fitting that they move from uh, Oakland to Las Vegas because there's no D in it. Um, it's it's you know the Raiders have plenty of offense, but they look like they have the stopping power of a junior high school pep banner. And uh, I, I just you know it, it's it's weird to watch they went out and drafted like three safeties of which none of them are actually going to play safety um you know and, and, and so I, I don't know they're switching from a cover two to a cover three uh with gus bradley there um it's it's a little bit of a different philosophy they went i got yannick gakway who's on twitter saying he and uh 
um, Max Crosby, the best pass rushing duo in the NFL. And I'm like, dude, you might be the third best pass rushing duo in your own division. I'd, I'd pump the brakes on that just a little bit. But uh, I, I, the Raiders, um, I, you know, they can they can score in bunches, but I don't think they can stop anybody. So I think they're a non-factor. Benjamin, I look across the league at all the quarterback competitions going into training camp next month. And as a non-Broncos fan, I still find the Broncos situation probably the most intriguing across the league. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, who may end up winning the position of starting quarterback. Then obviously in the background, you've got the, the Aaron Rodgers story, which has continued throughout the, the offseason, whether he's going to get traded, the Packers are digging their heels in. Your overall thoughts on the quarterback situation, I saw Pat Schumer this week praising Teddy in terms of his performance this week. If it is those two and the Rodgers trade doesn't materialise, who wins, who wins out in the end, in your opinion? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of difficult to say. Um, let's, let's start with that premise. Let's start with the premise that they don't get Aaron Rodgers. That's uh, off and it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's no quarterback competition at that point. But um, I, I think, you know, in, in watching these practices at OTA and watching this mini camp, they're, they're on pretty even footing. The difference is they're both polar opposites as quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater never met the five-yard pass he didn't like to throw. Um, you know, you need three yards, I'll get you five, coach. You need 10 yards, I'll get you five, coach. And that's, you know, that's kind of a problem. Um, you know, you ever you watch Alex Smith play, and Alex Smith has got a great career. He's fun to watch, always got his teams to the playoffs, but he was never going to win a Super Bowl because he was incapable of coming back from a deficit. Uh, and, and Teddy Bridgewater's kind of the same thing. The other thing that bugs me about Teddy is this perception that he's somehow safer than Drew Locke. Teddy Bridgewater had 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions last year. It wasn't like it was markedly better, you know. Um, in fact, Teddy Bridgewater played three full seasons in the league and never had as many touchdowns. 15 was the most he's ever had. Drew Locke had 16 touchdowns last year in a mere 12 games. So, I mean, 13 if you count the one series against the Steelers, but I don't. So, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, Drew Locke played three quarters of a season and had more touchdowns than, than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a nickname here in the media. We call him Teddy Field Goal because, you know, you're going to settle for three every time with him. That's that's just kind of who he is. He's going to be the guy who gets you down there to the 20 and then you kind of bogs down in the red zone. And, and that's what happens. And you saw that with the tape from Carolina last year. They took the ball out of Bridgewater cans in the red zone and settled for field goals. The problem with that is, is it takes three field goals to beat one touchdown. And, you know, the it's just like the math and basketball, you know, in the NBA. Like, they encourage you to shoot more three-pointers because even though it's a lower percentage shot, the more of them you make the, over the long term, you're going to end up scoring more points. So I think that's the problem. And then Drew, you know, Drew's getting better, um, but he still makes mistakes sometimes. And his processor is just slower. Uh, you can see it out there, you know. And, and um, he had a great day of practice, what, two days ago, two practices ago, three days ago. Um, where he had three touchdowns, no no turnovers, was lighting it up in red zone, looked great. And then, you know, the practice from uh, the day after that where, he, you know, he, he his first and second read weren't there and he just stared down the third guy and airmailed an interception to Justin Simmons. And not that Justin Simmons isn't a great safety, he might be one of the best in the league, but, you know, you, you've got to you got to do better about uh, living to fight another day. So I think both these two quarterbacks, if you could combine them, you'd have a hell of a quarterback. The problem is, is that you've got, uh, you know, competing skill sets here. It's, it's like watching Jay Cutler against Alex Smith. Neither, neither one really particularly excites you. Which one gives you the better chance to win? Well, you know, Jay is the one who has a better shot of bringing you back from a deficit. But Teddy's the one, or Alex is the one who, you know, probably is the guy that's going to keep you in more games and not, not put you out of them. So it's, it's just a question of, of which way they want to go. I, you know, you ask me which one wins. I, most people are going to default to the veteran. Most people are going to default to Teddy Bridgewater on this, but I don't know. I, I'm hoping I can see some, some, I'm holding out hope for Drew Locke until I can't hold it out anymore.
Time will tell. Looking forward to Broncos come starting next month. Uh, looking at a different team than Atlanta. They pass on a quarterback and take a guy in Kyle Pitts and then trade Julio Jones to Tennessee. What's your thoughts on the current situation there? Well, they know they've got a big rebuild in front of them. That, that's, that's part of the thing. Uh, I, I know Arthur Smith pretty well. He's, he's a good dude. Um, I, that, that guy's a genius. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because people who don't know his background, his dad uh, is, is the, you know, the guy who started Federal Express, FedEx, which is one of the largest parcel shipping uh, companies in the world, you know, similar to that probably DHL out there and that you guys have with the Elytra. Yeah, anyway, they're, you know, it's bigger here in America. But uh, FedEx, is, uh, FedEx is huge. So Arthur Smith could have just sat back and been a multi-billionaire, you know, heir to an empire and instead decided to carve his own path. And man, what a great job he's done. Uh, look at him resurrecting Ryan Tannehill's career there in Tennessee, uh, which by the way, I think Tennessee is going to be the team that falls off the most in the NFL this year. Todd Downing is a disaster as an offensive coordinator. We saw him doing the Raiders um, a few years back. He took Bill Musgrave's number six rated offense with the Raiders and drove it right into 24th overall. So um, as far as the Falcons go though, um, they know they've got some issues, a, a roster rebuild and turnover coming soon. And uh, I think that's part of it. They would have taken Trey Lance if Trey Lance had been there. That was their main quarterback. They liked Zach Wilson. They liked Trey Lance. Um, if either one had been there, they would have taken him. But, um, they, you know, Pitts was next on the board. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense. He's a, a hybrid mismatch weapon in the, in the same way that kind of Jimmy Graham was in his prime. Um, and, and it's probably better than Jimmy Graham, to be honest with you, certainly more athletic. And that's saying something because Jimmy Graham used to be a hell of an athlete. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the Falcons a lot. The problem, though, isn't on the offensive side of the ball. It's on the defense. They couldn't stop anybody last year. Uh, and so, you know, they're kind of the Raiders of the NFC uh, uh, South, as it were. You know, plenty of firepower, but can't stop anybody. And so I think that's going to be the problem. If they can ever get that defense figured out, they'd be good. But, but until then, they're just going to be a fun team to watch that puts up a lot of points and loses a lot of games. And yeah, I suppose Kyle, yeah, Kyle Pitt's going to be very exciting to, to watch. And I think there are times watching this league where, you know, um, we feel mortal because we see players do, do superhuman things. And uh, just interested as, as somebody who, you know, attends training camp regularly and, and gets to, to be there. Have there been any particular moments, be they at the Broncos or elsewhere, where, you know, you've been watching a practice or a game and you have felt particularly mortal? I'm thinking back like week 13 last year and there were number one handed uh, defensive interceptions. But like for you having been there, were there moments where you went, wow, that, I, I am a mortal and these are superhumans? Well, for me, that occurs every morning when I get out of bed and I'm like, oh, God, it hurts. And I'm just getting up. And then I have to go see these guys, you know, at the, at the peak of, of the, the pinnacle of, uh, you know, human physical perfection out there uh, going against each other. Yeah, I, you know, I feel I feel mortal all the time around this stuff. I get, uh, you know, we get to do every Tuesday with Steve Atwater, who, you know, famously had the old Christian Okoye hit, was one of my idols growing up. And, and uh, you know, uh, Steve uh, uh, ran a foot race with my co-host uh, Ryan Edwards a few years ago and absolutely just beat the brakes off him and Steve is uh, not a spring chicken anymore I mean he's you know he's uh, gotten up there in years and you know Ryan's my age and uh, watching him just absolutely you know dust Ryan is uh, is kind of funny um, yeah I, I you know I mean just being around these guys in general you're just you know I think that's part of the draw of football to us I, I think it's it's a it's the, it's the one combination that we have of live action combat chess you know because uh, you, you have the, the strategy uh, of uh, whatever you're running on offense versus their defense and trying to find the mismatch and, and attack that. And then you have the physical element, the gladiatorial combat of the people going up against each other in speed and strength. And I think it just combines all those things. I think that's the, the fascinating draw of football to me. So, uh, yes, to answer your, your question with an incredibly long winded answer, uh, I feel mortal basically every minute of every day. 
Benjamin, one of the interesting storylines this week is the number of players that have been vaccinated. I think it's in the region of 50 to 55% across the league. I know the Broncos have a very high percentage, but across the league, it's it's an even split. And we've seen some players, Cole Beasley in particular, coming out yesterday evening, kind of basically very adamant in the fact that he doesn't want to take the vaccine and he's challenging other players' potential not to take it. And the league, of course, then have issued their mandate this week, which is having gone through all the various different components of it, it's... They're doing their, their utmost to make sure everybody is vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you're going to have a quite a difficult year in the league in terms of what you can get against what you can do. Your overall thoughts on that situation, is it going to get better? Are we going to get it? Is it the NFLPA going to have to step in at some stage and kind of issue the players with a mandate that you have to get it? No, I don't think, I mean, this is, you know, you guys, I don't know how much you know about America, but we have a lot of idiots here. Um, who <laughs> I'm do, well aware you know. of that. <laughs> okay, that's it. We, you know, we, we, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, uh, there's that little cartoon that I see all the time, and it's that guy, he's sitting in front of his computer, and he's yelling back at his wife, uh, hey, honey, look at all this stuff I found on the internet that the leading top scientists in the world all missed, you know, and that's kind of what it is. All these dudes, they, they get on YouTube, and they think they know everything about everything, and it's, you know, it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect, and, you know, in actuality. Um, I don't think they're going to force anyone to take the vaccine. That kind of runs antithetical to what we are as Americans, about that freedom of choice and, and that freedom of choice to a detriment in a lot of cases. You know, um, uh, unfortunately, we default to that in, in cases where it, where it hurts us. Um, and I, so I don't think that they're going to force anyone to do that. Legally, um, employers here can force that in the sense that uh, they don't have to employ you if you don't want to get, you know, if they, if they want to set up that mandate. So. Um, I think the compromise that was reached between the NFLPA and the NFL was the list of stuff that came out from, I believe it was Tom Pelissero this yeah, week. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a compromise with the NFLPA. Uh, and, and that was, hey, look, you could still come do all these things. You're just basically going to be extremely limited in your travel. You're basically going to make your own travel arrangements, stay in the team hotel while you're on the road and not talk to anybody and then go home, play your game and go home. And I think players are balking at that because they they want all the, the freedoms of um, you know, being able to do all these things without, um, you know, doing the things necessary it is to earn those. Um, you know, I, for, I'm vaccinated. Um, and, you know, for, so for me, like, I've got to follow those same guidelines, but some of the players don't, they're balking at it. I, I do believe that it is everyone's individual choice, whether or not you want to do that. That said, uh, it's also my choice uh, as to whether or not I want to be around you, uh, you know, and it would be my choice and my place of business if I want to allow people that are or aren't in. Um, so, I, I think that's the, the kind of the lens to look at it through. You're going to have players balk at this, Cole Beasley, specifically the Bills team in general. There's a lot of people on the Bills team that kind of have that attitude. They're one of the, the forefront on that. Uh, I'll tell you, the, the Saints um, are almost fully vaccinated. The Broncos, the Raiders, I think the Dolphins, um, the Kansas City. There's a lot of teams that view it as a competitive advantage. And I'll tell you this, there's a lot of guys who would be roster bubble type guys that may not want the vaccine that are going to get it just to make it easier on teams because they can say, look, I'm vaccinated. You don't have to worry about me and you can sign me to the roster. So I, I have a feeling there's going to be some bottom of the roster churn and burn that may be vaccine related this year when it comes to cut down day. And there's going to be some interesting fallout from that because I wonder if there'll be lawsuits. Absolutely. And uh, Colin was inviting you there to like Galway, Dublin uh, and Cork, but he seemed to forgot half of the north anyway you got belfast up here game of thrones territory ben you're obviously more than welcome up here anytime uh, and also over in europe germany now getting hopefully at least one game from next year onwards covid dependent but great news to see the league expanding uh what's your thoughts on that i mean like the whole 17 game thing do you think it's pretty cool to have a game in berlin per se or do you think 
as a fan and as an insider, do you think it's something that may need to stay in the States or are you happy for it to grow and expand? I'm happy for it to grow and expand. I don't like the 17-game schedule. I hate that. 16 was perfect. You had 32 teams. Everything's divisible by four. It was just perfect. And I felt like that they were just kind of with a cash grab on that. That said, I love the games in Europe. Um, And I I love expanding the brand. Uh, The NBA has done a great job of expanding globally. Um, You look at National Basketball Association. They're in Europe now. They're in China. They're all, you know, the NBA has done a great job of expanding basketball and making it a global sport. Baseball has even become a global sport. I mean, you look at Japan, you look at, you know, those kinds of places. Um, and, and American style football has not for a lot in, in a lot of ways. And so they are trying to find a way to do that. And, and you know, the NFL Europe existed as a preseason league, um, you know, a couple of decades back. And, you know, you had the World League for a minute there and that kind of stuff. And those were great for for. Uh, so I think what the what the NFL is trying to do is, is kind of run a test market and, and see with these games, what cities and what places are viable uh, to bring the NFL brand. And I would not be surprised to see a uh, eventually, 10 years from now, a spring uh, feeder league, um, uh, you know, that, that kind of bridges the gap right now between what the Alliance of American Football and the XFL and all that kind of stuff tried to be uh, and, and the NFL. It gives some of these guys a chance to kind of develop back into it. It previously... They shuttered it because it wasn't making money. But if they can find a way to make money off of it, then uh, they'll absolutely do it. So I, I love it. Plus, I get to travel for this stuff. So, you know, for me, I, I love the free vacation. Uh, well, uh, we, we love the, the idea of the, the league expanding as well. And uh, yeah, are hopeful that maybe we've had preseason in Dublin back in the 90s. We'd love to, to welcome it back again. Ben, um, one, just to take you back to um, uh, a conversation that you tweeted about last month, and I know there are lots of caveats in this, it uh, was with a former NFL front office person who talked about the possibility, if Mac Jones is ready, around Bill Belichick potentially using a 2QB system. And I'm just really interested, especially you mentioned, you know, around Teddy and, and, and field goal Teddy, but like, could 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 you see? I mean, if any you know uh, head head coach might do it, it might be Bill. But could you actually see it happening? And if it were to happen, could you see it being successful? Well, um, yes and yes. Um, you know, Bill Belichick's one of the innovators out there, and, and anytime you have a chance to do something like that, where you can you can force defenses during the week to have to practice for something else that takes away from reps that they get to practice at what you're good at, right? So I I wouldn't be surprised to see Bill Belichick show it in week one and then not use it again. You know, I, there's any there's all range of outcomes with this kind of stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Mac Jones, the quarterback who doesn't exactly have the strongest arm, uh, his skill set is similar to Ted Bridgewater's, and so um, you know maybe you see something where where Mac Jones is kind of the quarterback between in the 20s and he you know he can throw the ball and then you you get in the red zone you put cam newton you know the mac truck in there and um you know you, you, it kind of gives you a different dimension uh it gives you a different dynamic in terms of what you're able to do in the goal line i it can be successful we've seen the saints do it with drew Brees and Taysom hill to varying degrees of success over the last couple of years and so uh, i i believe that it can be successful if done right i i always felt like sean payton put Taysom hill in at the wrong times but um you know i, I if you just had a, a consistent a, a consistent game plan that was like hey Drew Brees is going to be the between the 20s quarterback and then Taysom Hill is going to be the red zone quarterback. And that's just how we're doing it. I feel like it could be, you know, it would take quarterbacks that were egoless 
You know, it would take guys to to set aside that ego. And, you know, especially if you're the guy like like I played quarterback in high school. So like driving a guy, your guys down the field and then they pull you off so you could put somebody in to score. And that would make me feel terrible, you know. So like I mean, for me, like I can understand if, if, a, if a Mac Jones or a Drew Brees or whomever, you know, would get upset and get pulled off the field for somebody else. But if you've got that ability to kind of put that aside and say, you know what, we're going to win as a team, um, you know, then, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, you know, for me where I sit now and like my, my philosophy on life, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I don't care who hits the, uh, who hits the home run as long as my team wins the game. Right. Benjamin, just looking across the league, I know we're a couple of months removed from the draft. Is there any particular players that you're looking forward to seeing, not necessarily the ones at the top end of the fourth round, you know, kind of down the, the lesser, the, the second half of the, of the fourth round players that might stand out that you wouldn't have thought. Like last year we saw Jefferson for the Vikings who was drafting the second part of, the fourth round, and he was standout player last year. Any picker players that you feel will, will be this time next year? We'll be looking back as a bit of a surprise. Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, from the Broncos, Quinn Minerts, um, the, the center uh, out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, I've known I've known about Quinn for like three or four years now. His his coach uh, tipped me off to him about two years ago, I guess it was, and uh, so I've been on the lookout for him. The fact that he gets to come here to Denver, I mean, for me, that's just a bonus. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Darden, who was a wide receiver out of North Texas. I believe he went to the Bucks. Um, that's somebody I'm going to keep my eye on. He just had playmaking ability. Uh, Omar Bayless played at uh, Arkansas State. I think he's with Carolina. Um, that's somebody I, I really want to see uh, what he can do. He was just a playmaker. Um, and it, guys like that, guys who are who are kind of uh, uh, smaller American schools that, that um, you know, didn't, didn't have that national profile. You know, but were playmakers in their at, at their respective place. I, I'll always love to see them. You know, and see if it was just they were just a better athlete than everybody, or if they're actually like just that. You know, that good on top of it. Um, it's interesting because normally there's a quarterback or two I'd list in that, and, um, but this year the quarterback class was like everybody was talking about how great it was, but I looked at it. This, this class was hot garbage. I mean, you had, you know, two or three guys at the top and that was literally it. Like the rest of these guys, like Kellen Mond's not going to do anything in the NFL. Davis Mills is not going to do anything in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they'll stick around and be backups for a while. And I'm not trying to crap on their dreams or whatever, but like, they're not going to be starters. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't think that, uh, I, you know, this, this class was a little less dynamic to me. And then part of that was, not having the ability to fully scout these guys because of all the COVID stuff. So that the familiarity with some of, you know, some of the lesser guys just isn't quite there as maybe it would be. Um, but I'm, I'm actually like, I'm excited about next year's quarterback class. A lot of people telling me it's down because there's no Trevor Lawrence in the class, but man, there's like a dozen guys in there that might have impact in the league. So um, sorry to get way off track there. Uh, <laughs> to answer your question. Yeah. Darden uh, is probably somebody I got my eye on. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, SS one, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back out of, out of Oklahoma. He, he's big Mac. I like big backs and I cannot lie. Um, you know, the AJ Dillon's of the world, the, uh, the Derrick Henry's of the world. I, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. So I just love seeing those big, huge dude, you know, rolling out. It's always fun for me to watch that. I look at, uh... It's great to hear your thoughts on who might, you know, come out next year in, in from this draft cast and also looking ahead to next year. Hopefully we will see you at the Senior Bowl as well. We had Jim Nagy on recently as well, so it'd be cool to catch up there as well. But Ben, thanks a million for your time. Anybody that wants to check out Benjamin's show with Ryan Edwards, just search Broncos Country tonight. Anybody in Europe, you can get it on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider and at Albright NFL for some lovely scoops. Personally, hopefully Rogers in the next few days or weeks, who knows. But uh, Ben, thanks a million for your time and we appreciate you coming on chatting to us. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Love it, guys. Anytime you guys need me, I'm happy to do it. And uh, unfollow me at Albright NFL. I wouldn't follow me either. So it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> 
Folks, it's great to have some of the great guests on the show, and today is no exception. We're delighted to be joined by five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl 50 champion, Akib Talib. Akib, welcome to the Irish NFL Show. How y'all doing, man? Appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks for coming on, Akib. Uh, we ask everybody this. Have you any Irish heritage? Have you ever been to Ireland before? No, I've never been, man. And if, if I got Ireland heritage, I don't know about it. <laughs> well, uh, you're certainly welcome uh, anytime you want to come on over, Akib, and you've got a, a whole set of new tour guides now. But um, one of the things sure. like th- that you're famous for, look, is your fantastic ability to intercept opposing QBs. But it's not just the interception. You generally are, are frequently took it back to the house. And that wasn't just in the NFL where you had 10, but that was back to your, your college career as well, the 2008 Orange Bowl. Can you talk to us a, a little bit about um, that, that ability that you have? Uh, I think it comes from playing offense, man. I, I Growing up, I really was a big offense fan, right? And I kind of started playing defense because I ain't want to have to worry about nobody else helping me get to where I want to go, right? I ain't want to have to worry about a good quarterback or worry about a good line or worry about if my coach liked me to throw me the ball. Let me just play defensive back and I could be on the sorriest team in the league, right? And still be the best person on the field. So that's kind of how I moved to, to defense. But I think them pick sixes, I think it come from me just having the ball in my hands a lot while I was younger, man, playing offense. Craig, can, can I ask you about your experience playing for the Patriots? I recall a great statement which you made when you when you went to New England around how you felt you went from being a, a football player to, to a professional football player. But your own experience mm-hmm. there? Yeah, man, great experience there, man. Uh, I, like I always say, I really grew up in New England. I, I, I took that next step to New England, man. Just that the stage that you play on, it, if, you, if you care about your performance, if you care about how you look on TV, then uh, you're going to study a little bit more. You're going to make sure your body is a little bit more in shape, ready to go if you play for a team like New England because they always on TV. They always getting talked about like we're doing right now. So you're just going to be on that stage, man. So I think that pressure of uh, playing for Bill, playing on that stage, shit, it cranked my, it cranked my career up. A bit of fun picking off Tom Brady in practice as well, I imagine, Akeem, as well. So. Oh, definitely, man. A lot of, lot of fun. I picked him off in the game, too. Come on, Tommy. I know, got I him know. in London. I got him in London in the game one time for the Bucks. I was on the Bucks. I was I was at that game. I remember it well, actually. So it was a great, oh, yeah. great performance by you there. Um, look, the keep you know, your time in the Bucks and the Rams, obviously, but, you, you know, there's something about the brotherhood of defensive backs. And I'm thinking particularly your time in the Broncos, the no-fly zone with T.J. Ward, right. with Harris, amongst others. And even in New England there, like you and Brandon Brown are coming in as free agents, join up with Devin McCourty, you know, Logan Ryan and the likes. It really is like a fraternity. And, like, you know, I'm thinking your wedding after uh, the AFC Championship game one time when you have Broncos and Patriots coming to it. Are these like friendships forged in eternity forevermore? Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, if you you go to work every day, think about it. We even play on Sundays, right? Or we get one off day Tuesday where... Most of the time on that off day, you probably still go to work. You probably still see those guys on that off day, right? You just, it's not mandatory, but you probably still going to be there. But uh, you see those guys every day, man, for hours and hours on a day, man. So you 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 gain relationships. You you grow those relationships fast. So definitely, man, after we won that Super Bowl, man, I just, you know, the guys who I really had relationships with, I definitely invited them out, man. We had a good time. Uh, Akib, obviously uh, for any NFL fan, a guy like Bill Belichick is somebody that has almost like maybe a gruff character in the media to us, but anybody that's been around him or played for him, I have nothing but respect and admiration for him. What is Bill Belichick like behind the scenes? 
cool, man. Cool dude. He witty. He got a bunch of jokes. And he's super intelligent, man. He always talking football. He always talking about the next opponent, what he think, how he how he think we could play him, what he think is going to work, man. So whatever message he's trying to get to you by Sunday, he started on Monday. He all here keep hitting at it a little bit, a little bit. Super smart dude, man. He and he's probably the best leader that I've probably ever been around. Steve, we were fortunate to talk to uh, Coach Wade uh, a few months back, and he spoke yeah. fond fondly about you, your time together, uh, your your leadership, your knack for pick sixes, and he's absolutely certain that you are going into the, the Hall of Fame. Can you talk to us about Wade? Hey, well, I appreciate that, Coach, man. I, I damn sure hope so. But uh, Coach Wade, man, that's one of the, one of the smartest defensive-minded guys that I've been around as well, man. Uh, Getting a chance to play for him and Bill was crazy, man. They just, they're so smart. They know offenses so well. And and they just, they they know how to prepare. They know how to take away what you want to do. They know how to take that away. And it seemed like when they take that away, they got a good idea what you're going to try to counter with to try to beat them, man. So they, they almost come with two game plans all the time. And, man, I got so much smarter plan for Coach Wade, man, just learning football and, and how teams want to attack you. Kareem, now that you're, you're not playing, you, you've got your own podcast, The Call to the Boot uh, podcast. Uh, how did that come, come about and how are you enjoying that experience? Man, I'm loving it, man. Uh, it just kind of came about. Uh, Harrison reached out to me. I commented on Danny Green's uh, podcast, and that's Harrison is his co-host as well. So he kind of reached out like, man, you have a dope-ass podcast. You should do one. And I kind of was freshly retired. I'm like, man, it might keep me around the game a little bit. It might, you know, make me stay around football a little bit. So... I tried it and you know the bags started coming in. I'm like, oh, this shit cool. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could, I could do this all day. And sponsors coming with 80,000s and stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, I, I I never really knew that part of it, man. But you know, you see that money come in, man. I, I can make time for it. Great to hear, Akeeb. And look, I've I've seen you on other shows. We saw heard you recently on the Rich Eisen show. You were actually you mentioned about leadership there, and you were talking about Tyrion Matthew as a leader and how important it is to instill uh, belief in those around right. you. You know, when we had Coach Wade on, as Colin alluded to, he called you a great leader as well, but said, like, you very much had your style of leadership. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, my style of leadership, man, I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I grew up in a rough environment, right? You know what I'm saying? Gangs and outside, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of see that atmosphere and I ain't going to say I kind of bring that to the team, but in a sense, we got to be like a gang. We got to be us versus everybody. We close. We talk. We ride with each other. We communicate. We got to move like that, man. And I think I bring that aspect to the team, that bluntness. We going to be honest with each other. We going to get it black and white. No gray areas. We going to have it black and white before we leave the meeting room and go on the practice field. And I think that's what me being so – so blunt, so not scared to talk to nobody or not scared to say anything. I do a good job of, of, of us being black and white. There's no gray area. I'm going to ask the question, well, Coach, how the hell is we supposed to do that when you're asking us to do this? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the one who's going to say that in the locker room. I'm the one who's going to say that when all the rest of the DBs is thinking the same thing, right? So I think, I don't know, I, I think I do a good job, man, just just bringing guys together, man. I, I Bring us together, keeping us together, making light of situations man guys get to argue and i you know i make it light of the situation so in a sense man it is my own way of, uh, of leading but you know it works 
Keep you talked there at the start of the show about uh, going to London, obviously having some fun with Brady when you were with the Bucks. Uh, at, at the time, did you enjoy having to go from Tampa Bay to London? And as a as a former player, what's your thoughts on the game growing internationally in terms of the I guess the 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 added travel as well? Uh, I loved it, man. I had never been I never been uh, to London before. Uh, the flight was even fun. It was an eight hour, nine hour flight, man. We played cards and, and you know what I'm saying? Had a bunch of fun on the flight, man. So it was a great team building experience for us. And uh, I think the second time we went, we went like on a Monday. So we stayed for like the whole week. So man, it was just a great experience, man. It was just being in NFL, you think just football and football and meetings, but having experiences like that, man, with, with, with your friends, you know what I'm saying? Your coworkers, but your friends, that, that's that's what the NFL is all about, man. So it was a lot of fun, in my opinion. Man. I had a bunch of fun, and I think the NFL should continue to do it, man. Go further. Go to Ireland. You know what I'm saying? Have a game out there, baby. So, guys, just if they was wondering, do the players like it? We love it, man. We love it. That's uh, that's good to hear. All in favor of a game in Dublin, definitely, keep. Well, look, you're you're in a new phase. We've mentioned your podcast, but your your start as a, an NFL analyst, um, you know, has met with like near universal acclaim. Everyone was delighted. Everyone talked about that honesty that you mentioned earlier. I yeah. suppose how important do you feel that sense of authenticity is in this new phase of your career? I think it's key. I think uh, in this new phase of my career, I don't think the people want to listen to the same old guy. Right. I think they want some uniqueness about it. They want some honesty. They want somebody who at the same time they're entertaining, but they know what the hell they're talking about. Right. So I don't know. I just try to go in there and be myself, man. I just try to go in there and be myself. And uh, to this point, man, it's been working. Akibi, you touched on intercepting uh, Tom Brady in, in London, but obviously the Bucks have just won the Super Bowl and haven't started your career there. I suppose what your what are your thoughts on the Bucks uh, ending an 18 year away for the, for the uh, Super Bowl? Oh, I think it's dope, man. Uh, it was a long time coming for the Bucks, man. Like I used to say, it, I, I used to think it was cursed. I'm like, man, something happened. They fired Gruden them. The vibe of the building was one way, right? Gruden got fired after my rookie year, and then it was just like, the building was just like, I don't know, you could kind of walk in the building, you kind of feel it. Like, what the hell was that? Like, it was, it was like a curse on the building, man. They couldn't win no games since my rookie year before December. Starting in December, I don't know what happened. It kind of went downhill and they've been struggling ever since, but there's only one person who could lift the curse, man. And it's Tommy. Tommy came to the building. He lifted the curse. And uh, just Tommy being a good friend of mine and then, you know, me starting my career with Tampa, man, it was dope. It was dope to see them guys on the boats and the parades and stuff. It was just good for the city, man. It was good for Tampa. Yeah, um, Super Bowls in all your former teams, effectively. The Rams must be next in line, Akiva. You see, you know, your, your influence on it. I mean, look, one final question for you, Tlaib. Uh, uh, sorry, Akib. Um, do you have covered some of the greatest wide receivers in the game? Like, fundamentally, you were the number one corner that was put on the number one uh, wide receiver. And I saw you recently comment that the hardest wide receiver to cover of any was Megatron, was Calvin Johnson. Can you break it down a little bit for us? Like, what made him so good or what was the difference between him and other great players you've gone up against? Well, uh, when I guard receivers, man, if I hate guarding little quick guys, right? I hate guarding little quick receivers because I'm a bigger corner, you know what I'm saying? Long, kind of long stride. I know, don't get me wrong. I can change direction pretty good too as well. So when I guard bigger guys, it's like, all right, I'm going to have to wrestle with this guy all day or, or, or he got great 
jump ball ability, right? I got to make sure he ain't jumping over my head, mossing me, right? But with Calvin Johnson, it's like he moved like a small guy at the line. It's like he's a small guy. You can't just stand on the line and jam him up because he's a, he a big guy. And then at the end of plays, he finished him like he's 6'4", 230, right? So he's jumping over guy's head. And then on top of that, he the fastest receiver in his time in the league. He was the fastest receiver in the league as well. So he was checking too many boxes, man. And uh, it was real. He had a quarterback with a big arm and Matt Stafford. So it was definitely real, man. And the times I matched up with, with Calvin, then was definitely my hardest matchups. Absolutely, man. And I would encourage everybody to check out the Call to the Booth podcast and check out Akeeb on Twitter. Akeeb, a gentleman, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome on any time. And please hit us up when you come to Ireland. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. I'm going to hold y'all to that now. Don't, don't, don't hit the side button when I call and I'm in Ireland now. <laughs> we'll have the whiskey waiting. 